The following program is a part of the Movie Morgue Network. Welcome to the ninth episode of Beauty the Beast and the Bees. This time it's Kelly's birthday month, so that means she got to pick all the films. First, a family of farmers faces the ultimate evil in The Dark and the Wicked. A young woman fights for her life in revenge. And Terry O'Quinn shows us the dark side of suburbia in The Stepfather. But first, please help me welcome back to the microphone our birthday girl and the founder of the B-Movie BFF's website, Kelly Hogaboom. Hello, Tim. How are you today? Uh, I'm good. Uh, how, how was your birthday? My birthday was good. Um, I've, of course, that was a little while ago, and we've had two other birthdays since, my, my two sons. And, um, <laughs> so, yeah, it's been poor, my poor husband, right, because he's got, like, bam, 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 three birthdays in a row that he has to scramble for. But, yeah, we had a great, great uh, series of family birthdays. When you said you said it's been two, I was like, well, it hasn't been two years since we recorded. No, it feels, it feels like it. And of course, for our, our ardent listeners, they are just dying to hear from us again. So we are uh, back. Yes, yeah. <laughs> All three of them. <laughs> so uh, during that time, uh, watching anything interesting? or uh, I have been watching some good stuff. Um, I, you know, as you know, my oldest kid and I, we watch we kind of watch like horror sci-fi stuff um, on Tuesdays and we watched um, Event Horizon from 1990 whatever it is we watched mm. Life Force we watched the Blob remake from 1988 which is so great for special effects if nothing else like please go watch that film if you haven't yet seen it we watched 1979 uh, Dracula with Frank Langella who's the the horniest Dracula he's super great we watched the, <laughs> the Abyss from 1989, and that film still holds up. I hadn't seen it in about 20 years, but um, the main thing I've been watching is serial killer stuff. And I just finished rewatching <laughs> uh, Mindhunter, and I, I had to mm. write a whole article say about how sad I am that Mindhunter is, you know, probably done forever after two seasons. I know you liked it as well. Oh, I loved it. Yeah. That yeah. that still bums me out. This like okay, I understand that uh, Fincher wanted to 
do so, uh, some other some other project and he did it and everything okay now go back and finish the damn show yeah i mean um <laughs> it, it's so great uh I, I think season two is even better than season one um i just launched a writing platform so if anyone out there likes my my work um follow me on buy me a coffee buymeacoffee.com forward slash kelly hogaboom i just wrote about mindhunter and it was kind of cool because I, I shared it in my Instagram. And one of the actors, the actor who plays Wayne Williams, uh, Christopher really? Livingston. Yeah, so I tagged Christopher Livingston and he started following me on Instagram. And I'm both delighted and terrified. Because <laughs> so, like he was like, I was a lot of those guys that play all the very well-known killers, you know, they're, they're all very spooky. But I'm watching it like the, this is my third time watching it. And he was the spookiest to me. Um, mm -hmm. he just really creeped me out. So it was kind of funny because I'm like, I'm sure the actor's a really sweet man, but like <laughs> creepy. Yeah. I, I, I love that show. And I do, well, I do agree about the second season. The one thing I didn't like with the second season was that out, that ridiculous subplot yep. with the kid. Yep. I, I was like, come on, man. It, what, really what are the, like what are the chances? That. Yeah. It was such a stretch because what are the odds? What are the odds? That is just such a like random thing to happen, and it happens to happen to a guy who studies. is pretty silly. Yeah, I mean, honestly, that's like something you would see like uh, like on Days of Our Lives, and which I relish how stupid the show is. But I mean, that's the kind of thing right. that they would come up with, like, oh no, I can't believe that my own son's a serial killer. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> it's, you, you're right. It's it's a plot development we would totally accept in a crappier show. But but Mindhunter is not a crappy show, and and I, I wouldn't say it's totally a realistic depiction. You know, it definitely kind of venerates and creepifies serial killers and all those things. But yeah, that was a pretty silly uh, subplot for sure. <laughs> well, uh, have you by any chance been watching the uh, the two Marvel shows? Um, are you talking about the Winter's Falcon? Yeah, and Falcon Winter? and the Winter Soldier and WandaVision. Mm -hmm. We, I watched most of WandaVision. I got bored. Um, oh my god! Yeah, uh, Ralph is wanting us to watch the other one, and I, I'll tell you how that's going to go down, Tim. We're going to start watching. <laughs> we're going to start watching. We're going to start watching it, and I'm going to be like, okay, fine, I'll watch this. And Ralph's going to be like, eh, I don't know. And like he'll stop. <laughs> <laughs> like he, yeah. He reels you in. What is it? Is it streaming or how? How do you watch that one? Yeah, it's a Disney Plus. Okay. Yeah, uh, it it uh, it's it's so good. It's got like that kind of like you know Lethal Weapon buddy cop kind of vibe to it, and then boy, the fourth episode is just amazing. Oh yeah. Right. Oh my God, it's so good. Um, and the thing that's been great with both those shows is that because Marvel basically treated them like really long movies. Um, they and they they put the same budget into them that they would put into one of their theatrical yeah uh, things. So they have that same uniform look. It doesn't look like oh, like say Agents of Shield, where it's like oh, everything looks like it's made of plastic. You know, um, it, it uh, really well done. And 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 you know, again, using the same actors and stuff uh, to maintain continuity, um, even though it's t TV. Uh, it just it, it really does a great job of expanding the Marvel universe and uh, you know showing the different sides to it. And it it really goes into the whole you know after the the snap thing of when you know people disappeared for five years and all. Uh, 
really well done. Um, for me, uh, <clears throat> I've been uh, watching those, and, and those are wonderful. But I, I've also uh, been watching a lot of like B westerns. <laughs> I've seen you posting those on Facebook. Yeah, uh, from like the '30s, and um, uh, it, you know, yeah, there's a certain sameness to them. But there's also kind of it, it, it's it's kind of cool to see. Um, you know, most of them are filmed in California. Um, it, it is kind of cool to see old California before all the. Uh, uh, you know the big big cities and everything were built and uh, all the freeways etc so uh, I, I've enjoyed that especially stuff you know if it's if I like the actor that it, you know that improves I, li I like uh, like Ken Maynard and Bob Steele and guys like that they're they're yeah. fun to watch uh, there's been a couple of these blu-rays that I got um, that are by Ruben Galindo Jr. He, he's a Mexican director. Uh, he made a, a, some some slasher films in the 80s that were kind of bizarre because they combined the slasher element with the with the horny teens doing stupid things and zombies for some reason. Well, yeah, I gotta have those. Yeah, so uh, I got Cemetery of Terror and Grave Robbers, and they both have you know a, a, an evil character that's quote-unquote accidentally revived because Whoops. our heroes <laughs> decide that it's a great idea <laughs> to do a uh, satanic ceremony over their grave or something um and then oh no i can't believe there's ramifications <laughs> it sucks it sucks yeah, uh, and, and and they're the gore in them's actually pretty good, but they're they're very very entertaining because there's a, just a they have that just the right level of stupidity uh, as far as you know bad decision making uh, and um, teens who are in the middle of like oh no all our friends are being murdered you know what we should do have sex right. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, yeah, like the like Cemetery of Terror's got the, the you know the great uh, Hugo Stiglitz who uh, it's just the name alone has always been a favorite <laughs> of mine. But um, and so I've, I got Cemetery of Terror and Grave Robbers. Those were both good. And then I watched another one. It's called Panic Beats, which is very bizarre. Uh, it, it's a character and he gets possessed, uh, or actually not possessed, but he has he, he develops this like a psychic connection to a serial killer who's out killing his friends. And he spends, mind you, this is probably somebody who's in their mid to late 20s playing a 17-year-old, right? Which is pretty much par for the course. But he's wearing these pajamas for the majority of the movie that look like something like a six-year-old would wear, uh. you know, like, like, like a Super Friends underoos kind of an outfit. I'm like, first of all, where do they get one that fits him? Okay. I, I and I don't know. And is there is it explained in the story why he's wearing that? No, I mean he he's wearing them when he, he goes to sleep, and then he gets disturbed because he start you know he gets woken up because he gets visions of his friends being murdered, which is him actually linked with the killer, and um, he just he gets kidnapped out of his room uh, by uh, his uh, high school adversary at gunpoint and so he he's stuck wearing these uh underoos pajamas for the rest of the movie mm. <laughs> that doesn't sound that terrifying no but it's it's i i can guarantee you it's something that you would enjoy okay 
you you say that, but then you also tell me, you know, you need to watch this, and it it's something I don't enjoy, Tim. So I yeah, I have trust issues with you. Well, I mean, that's that's on you, baby. Right, exactly. <laughs> like, so, like I can tell you right now, uh, don't panic is on uh, Tubi, so for free. So if you watch it on there, you'll you'll get you'll get to see it on there instead of having to buy the Blu-rays like I did. But uh... yeah. The, <laughs> Did uh did you did you and I talk about Color Out of Space yet? Did you watch that one? With Nicolas Cage? Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes, I okay. love that. Okay. I have so many violent feelings about that one, but um <laughs> cuz like the the music, the colors, the the gore was so great. Um right. yeah. But that's I I I didn't know you'd seen that one. Okay. Cool. Right. Yeah, I I I uh, ended up renting it on Amazon Prime. Okay. Um and and it actually, um, Nicholas Cage is surprisingly subdued for Nicholas. Cage. I know, right? Which means he's only like two hundred percent batshit. Yes, of, yeah, <laughs> yeah. He's, he's only like twice the the normal, uh, you know, spazziness of a, a normal person. Were um, you familiar with the original story? Oh yeah, I, I have a lot of Lovecraft. Okay, uh, okay. So you uh, kind of had that. Yeah. Well, all right. All right. Yeah. Well, yeah. it's one of those like it was a frustrating film for me. So sometimes, sometimes the films that frustrate me are the ones that I go back and watch again. Do you know what I mean? Because it's like yeah. I loved I loved elements of it, and I was annoyed with others. But sometimes after you see it, you you then kind of know what direction the director was going, right. and so so you go back and watch it, and you appreciate it more. Or at least that's true for me. Hmm. So. Uh... Since you were the lucky person who got to pick this week's movies, right. uh, I understand you're going to lead us into our first film. I am. <clears throat> All right. Caring for ailing and dying parents is tough stuff, and it doesn't help when Beelzebub horns in. <laughs> okay. Brother and sister Louise, <laughs> brother and sister Louise and Michael arrive on the family farm to help their mother care for their father in home hospice. Only mom seems more than just stressed and maybe someone else should help her in the kitchen. As increasingly terrifying manifestations begin to plague the grieving siblings, you get the impression that being a staunch atheist isn't going to help you much if Satan's coming for your ass. If you like your horror creeping and dreadful with a few sphincter-tightening scares to get your heart beat up, then pull up in your coziest snuggie and traumatize yourself with Your mama, she was saying things. She would sit right beside him, just whispering. But she wasn't talking to him. We found it in her pocket. She didn't believe in God. What was the matter with he believed? I found Mom's diary. What if she saw something out there? I told y'all not to come. There are things in this world, horrible things, 
wicked. And they come for whoever they want. I saw something. Something crazy. Do you smell him? He's close now. He's not out there. He's already here. First of all, I have to say, I, I like the fact that you like laughed at your own jokes. I know, right? I didn't actually, when I wrote that, I didn't see the joke until I was like looking at it again. But yes. Although we have to say the, the entity, the evil entity in this is never named. It's never named as Satan or any other thing. It's just the evil ass entity. Right. <clears throat> so you're a fan of this director, right? You love The Strangers. Oh, I love The Strangers. Absolutely. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. And um, he's made a few films, right? I I don't know if I've seen very much of his work. Yeah, I, I don't know if I've really seen much of his stuff either, other than The, the Strangers, um, which to, to this day still, I, you know, yeah. I, I really uh, like, and a lot of people don't, and, you know, I mean, that to each his own, but uh, I, I I don't know, I, thought, I think it's a great film, but um, he, yeah, I, I, well, I think kind of... he's done, well... Uh, he he worked on some things that I liked, but wasn't the director. Like he did Black Coat's Daughter, which uh, I I loved, right, right. and uh, he also worked on the sequel, The Strangers Pray at Night, which is also mm -hmm. really good. Have you seen that? I haven't. It's it's really it's really good. I mean, it, and it does I, have one of those kind of endings that kind of pissed me off, to be fair. But otherwise, the, the I thought the movie was was really well done. Um. So. Uh, and he did the monster. He wrote, directed, and produced right. it from 2016. Have you seen that one? Yeah, I did. I think I saw that on Shutter actually. Um, okay. So. I'll tell you, I, I, I actually started watching this movie before you even picked it, and then uh, and I, I, I didn't finish it, so I had to go back and, and finish it. Um, I'm not a huge fan of this movie. Um, I, I like the look of it. I, I, I think it's, yeah. it's beautifully shot, and it does have one creepy scene that I absolutely loved with uh, the priest character. Ugh. And he, where he comes in the middle of the night, he's he's standing yeah. and his eyes. I think his eyes are all white or something. That's really freaky. <laughs> there, so so you know to give a background and remember people listening, this is a spoiler podcast. So you know this this is a you know we've seen this formula before, right? It's like uh, oh someone's sick, someone's dying. Um, you know in this case it's an older, not quite elderly, but older father. Um, and oh, there's some creepy, you know, there's something going on. There's some creepy stuff. And you've got this very secluded farmhouse, although there are a few neighbors who kind of participate. Yeah. Um, I, I actually love so much about this film. And but the big drawback for me is there was no real point. Right. Um, there was no real reason that that this entity was, um, you know, killing not just the people on the farm, but he kills a neighbor like the, the entity is. So anytime you have a, a supernatural entity that sort of um, 
where there's no hope for the protagonist, right? There's When you look back, you're like, oh, well, there was no way they could have gotten out of it. That, to me, is a huge detriment for a film. I think I need to believe that there's a fighting chance. And yeah. there was there's nothing, like, it just, that said, that said, the sound and the visuals on this film are truly beautiful, like, so astonishing. The performances are great. And there are some creepy moments, and this film doesn't have tons of jump scares, but it has enough jump scares that every time something creepy is happening, you're just sitting there like, okay, like, like at the at the very end when um, the last surviving uh, sibling, she's she's with her father's bedside, and she keeps looking out the darkened doorway. And you are just waiting for something to walk. You're just yeah. like, oh my god! Yeah. And and in that case, it, nothing comes through that doorway. But you, so I just feel like this film, like a lot of people found it pretty scary. I, I was reading reviews, and they were saying they shouted or yelled or like, like. So if you like to be scared, I think it's a good film. That said. I just found the the story arc really unsatisfying. Yeah, I I didn't f- uh, like you're saying the whole thing at the end. It it felt like it was kind of a what was the point? Um, yeah, right. And 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 the ending also. What happens? <laughs> what happened at the end? Well, I didn't get it. It, it, it. That's what I mean. It's a it's a weakness because I think we assume that you know the the father dies and the devil or whatever it is. Um, possesses the father and then jumps on and, and presumably murders the daughter. But again, but I think it's just a weakness because there was no point. You know, there was no, like, no rescue, no friend, no connection. It just was, you know, a bummer of a story. But damn, if it wasn't scary. I mean, there that scene where the young neighbor girl comes. Oh, near the end, yeah. Oh, my geez. Like, that one, that got me. Like, I was like. I was like crawling up my couch because I'm like, okay, like when is when this the one that woke starts... you up in the middle of the night? Yes, <laughs> I thought it did. So, so, so uh, this happens about once a year where I watch a film that that has a has a scary scene or two, to where I watch it and I think I think that's great and I dust my hands off and I'm like that was a creepy little film. And then at four in the morning I wake up and my mind is like, hey, remember that scene? Like, <laughs> And I'm like, I don't want to go get up and go to the bathroom. Like I'm in my bed, and that ha- that only happens to me like once a year. The other movies that have done it are uh, Hereditary did it, and um, I Am the Pretty Thing That Lives in the House did it. Mm-hmm. I feel like Lake Mungo got me um, ten years ago or whenever it came out. I think Lake Mungo got me where I woke up in the middle of the night going. Ooh. So, so I personally love it when a film can get me spooked because that's kind of hard to do, but. Ultimately, it's just—it's almost just like spooky vignettes. It's not like a cohesively terrifying film at all, right? Like, yeah, like I like the. Yeah, I, I I think that when I, my reaction when I was watching it because there was some good stuff in it, um, is okay, but why? Did did the dad, uh, dabble in the occult, and so he brought this upon the family or? Uh, or what? What's the cause of it? Because w- without any direct, you know, actual uh, reason for what's happening, it's just kind of empty. It's just like, okay, yeah, well, I another agree. here's a scary part, uh, and here's another scary part. Okay, but why? <laughs> I think that I think it's really weird because there was sort of some plot fragments, but they if they were trying to tell us why, they didn't spell it out. 
You know, like there's a scene where, um, I can't remember her name, Louise. She calls the priest that visited them, which was played to very creepy effect by Xander Berkeley. I love Berkley. Xander Berkeley. He, he, yeah, he's great, and he freaking, he was creepy. He nailed that, yeah. Uh, he did. And he only had a little, a few parts or whatever, but she calls him, and it's some other person, and he says, I've never met you. You sound like my daughter, my daughter who's dead. And I was like, I didn't understand what the film was saying had happened. Was that an, an auditory hallucination that she was having, or was that part of the evil so i feel like if there was some kind of story they they didn't give us enough clues to understand it because i didn't understand it yeah i i look i mean i'm a big david lynch fan so i don't always have to know everything that's going on but i like a sort of an idea i agree i agree i like i like enough that i could guess and i feel like i can't even guess with this one i'm not sure what what was happening because they also alluded to like the, the brother was a strong atheist right. and he was disturbed because his mother was also an atheist and he was like, why would she have crosses? So they, they had these kind of like plot fragments, but if they were trying to tell us something, I wasn't picking it up. Um, you know, but mostly this is, this is one I'll probably rewatch because um, I, w <laughs> I was a little nerved up for some of the scenes in this. It was, you know, I'm a, eight foot long screen and like, I'm like it was an immersive experience it was a little scary but um you know great acting and um some pretty pretty good little bits of almost like terror rather than horror and I'm a big fan of terror um but yeah the the lack of a plot structure really got it like it dem demoted it for me quite a bit yeah that that's basically my my there's a lot like i said there's a lot about it that i i really enjoyed um because right out of the gate you know they have that whole starting scene with the the, the mother in the barn and there's all these you know things hanging from the ceiling clanking around and um we never really see what she's seeing for the most part and it, it's 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 creepy. It's good. I I think the director has a really good idea of how to scare people. Yeah. But I I uh, I mean he really needs to have somebody who can take the ideas and corral them into a a cohesive story, because otherwise it just it it falls into that category of I don't I don't know why I watched this. You know, and people, I did see some reviews comparing it to Hereditary, which I can kind of see, mm. um, because it's basically this sort of doomed family, and, you know, things don't get better, things get worse, and one by one, they all get picked off. Um, but Hereditary had a cohesive um, plot. It had a story arc. There were, there were reasons for the things that happened, even if they were implausible. Right. That's, not a pro that's not a problem for me. And this one, it was just like, well, apparently Satan just wants to fuck with these guys for no reason. I don't know. So, yeah, that was a problem. <laughs> you know, that said, I'm, I'm still giving the film like an 8.5 mm. because it, it was so um, effectively uh, creepy. It was not predictable at all. Um, it was beautifully, like, there was not a single sort of wasted uh, frame in the film. But for me, I just can't put a pin on why why these events happened and you know just like you i'm like eh. <laughs> yeah I, I i'd probably give it a, a six just because while, I, while while there was some interesting stuff 
it's it's hard for me to say, oh, I can't wait to rewatch it because uh-huh. I, I don't know if I want to sit there for 90 minutes again and and not have any idea what's happening. <laughs> but uh, you know, yeah, a, uh, a good effort, but I, I don't think it gets across the finish line for me. Yeah, well, I, I will be very interested to see his next projects um, because, you know, anyone... I, I think it's hard to scare people in horror. Yeah. I watch a lot of horror, and I'm rarely scared. Uh, and this one was scary, so love it. Just lo- I love being scared, and um, this, one, this one definitely did that for me. <laughs> okay, what's our next okay, film? Okay, <clears throat> Cat and Mouse is a lot of fun until the mouse gets her hands on a Remington field gun and turns the tables. Socialite and aspiring model slash actress Jen is whisked off on a sex getaway with her wealthy boyfriend when his two associates arrive a bit early and spoil the fun. Tensions mount, greasy guys get sweatier, and the three men make some really bad decisions. Jen is brutalized and left for dead, and unfortunately for them, Wholly un- underestimated. Do you like dirt, grit, searing flesh, bodily trauma, and buckets and buckets of blood? Then cuddle up for a tasty bit of revenge. You drive me completely crazy. I'm going to come out and tell you, like, right now, there's two things I hate in movies. One is any time that they they have a family pet, because it instantly means they're going to kill a pet. Uh, I I hate that. It's like, oh, look, uh, they've got a cute dog. Oh, guess what? They're going to do the dog. Wait, wait. I think you're on the wrong movie. Nope. (laughs) When do they kill... When They they don't kill a dog in this one. Well, no. I said there's two things. That's the first one. (laughs) The second one... Is I, I I hate rape scenes. I absolutely despise rape scenes. They just I don't find entertainment in them. I don't I, I don't know. I, I I'm at a point in my life where I don't feel that 
rape scenes are necessary as a plot device. Uh, I, I don't know. There's so many of them out there that it is what it is. Um, that said, uh, I, I, I think that this movie's got, um, it's got some really good stuff in it. The, the, the lead actress is, um, um, Matilda Lutz, I believe her name mm-hmm. is. Yeah, Italian um, actress. I, I think she does a fantastic <coughs> job. And the somewhat you know limited cast, there's really only four people. Um, they they all do a, a good job with what what they're asked to do. I I just if it, it, it's basically a high gloss version of I spit on your grave. And um, again, I'm not <laughs> I'm not a this is a this is a hard one for me because there's some really good scenes in it especially i think the final scene in the house with uh, her and her boyfriend and i i think that scene is really really well done um but uh, i got i really don't like rape movies um and that's another reason why it's like i don't watch like um uh, Last House on the Left. Um, <clears throat> I saw it once. I'll never watch it again. Um, I I know there's people who heap praise on it. It's not for me. Um, I guess I, I understand how there's the satisfaction of watching the guys get what's coming to them, and um, it, deservedly so. I, I just I, I find that kind of thing it really unpleasant. Well, that's really interesting to me because you watch so many films that are so sexually exploitive and so violent against women in sexual ways. And so (laughs) the fact that an explicit rape, though, is a bridge too far is really interesting to me. Yeah, I I, I just don't like rape scenes. I never have. I don't. uh, Well, I've I've seen one other rape revenge film that I actually liked, and it's called uh, Descent from 2007 with Rosario Dawson. And interestingly, much like this film today, was directed... By a woman and so for me um i haven't yet seen the rape revenge film that i liked that was directed by a man because i think that most of the genre is incredibly exploitive whereas i would say this film is not and neither is 2007's descent so to me it's like the the maybe just because like i know that sexual um assault and rape are just realities for women and so to me, I'm not that disturbed just if there's a rape film in a movie but what, or a scene. But what I am disturbed by is the exploitive nature that usually those films are, um, you know, conducted in. Yeah. I, I mean, let's let's be honest. I mean, the, the, the modern horror genre has always been, uh, you know, exploitation of women, uh, for better or worse, has always been a, a part of it. Uh, it's, it's always, uh, you know beautiful women it's scantily clad running away from you know, chainsaws and you know you know whatever hooks monster. and knives and other yeah yeah right yeah i mean that's that that's usually what it is and i i don't know if it's because um i i have uh women in my life that have have been raped that it just the for me the idea of it when i see it on screen it really upsets me um so i don't Regardless of whether it was a man or a woman directing, I don't know it. Uh, it doesn't work for me uh, as entertainment. Um, <clears throat> now, if you take out that scene, 
Um, I, I think the movie has some really, really uh, great set pieces. Um, I, I thought I, I did think it was interesting that the guy, uh, who who was the rapist? Was that Stan? That was Stan. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Was, yeah. Okay. Um, it was real interesting because I, I I thought the way that he was portrayed, um, uh, really showed uh that the 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 men that do these are cow do this kind of thing are cowards uh because he's played leading up to that moment you know he's kind of almost like a goofy matter of fact both the the visiting guys are kind of played as kind of like goofy uh almost comic relief kind of guys um in in that uh they kind of do like the uh the the tongue out of the mouth looking at her when she's walking around the house like it's that scene is almost like when she comes out and she's in the bathing suit and she's dancing around and the guys are watching and everything it it has this feel like almost um i almost expect like them to do the uh like a tex avery thing with the eyes bugging out and kind of deal and um so when the scene happens when the rape scene happens he's really despicable and and the way it builds you see where it's going like right away when he comes in and starts talking to her and um and then again, once that's happened and they're chasing after when they think they find out that she's not dead, um, he instantly, again, he reverts back to being like an utter coward um, and uh, a whiner. And he just wants to leave. He doesn't want to, you know, and I, you know, and I actually, I kind of liked that interpretation because usually when you see any movie where like any, like say like a, one of the death wish movies or something where you have a rapist, they're always just like this almost um, um, like pantomime villain uh, evil. Yeah, I agree. Usually. Uh, so, so this is my thing, Tim, about this whole film is that I, I love it. I love this film. And I also think that, it's unfair that you know 99.9% of films that have been about rape have been directed and written by men and it's time that we listen to what women have to say about it and that's what this film is doing and right in most of the the ways rape is depicted in film it is a sort of cartoony villain and he sort of springs out of the alley and yeah. um that of course is not the reality for most sexual assault most mostly it's someone that you know it's someone you might trust um it's your your boyfriend's buddy in this case and all three men were complicit in in horrible it wasn't just the rape because of course the way they handle the aftermath is a huge problem um, and I really liked what they did with, yeah, because you've got the kind of buffoon, the two, um, oh, what is the other, Dimitri and Stan, right? And they're kind oh, I of. I it was Richard. Oh, no, no, yeah, yeah right, Dimitri, Dimitri's, yeah. And, and Dimitri and Stan are kind of like, you get the impression they're kind of the beta males because Richard is the wealthier one. He's the younger, handsomer one. Yeah. Um, you, don't, you don't know that much about anyone in this story, actually. And, and I actually love that. They only give you little bit, little glimpses, like um, as to as to all four of these characters. You know, you know that Richard is wealthy and he's um, young, handsome, and he's married, and he does. The, you get the impression he has, you know, women on the side. That's what that's what Jen is. And right. um, I remember when I first watched this, and I, you know, 
after the rape, you're like, what's going to happen, right? And what's Richard going to do? And Rich, that's where Richard becomes the main villain. Uh, yeah. You know, I mean, all three of them are rat bastards, of course. I'm just saying that that was really interesting to me because I did. I I guess I thought Richard was gonna try to be the good guy, and but no, <laughs> like uh, no. nope. He goes full on like we've got to murder her because there's too much at stake for me. And of course, he first tries to buy her off by you know paying her money and and shipping her out of the country and stuff. But yeah, that was, right. That was um, that. I, I feel like this film has two parts to it, and at the point where they they push her off the cliff and they've left her for dead, it switches into a hardcore exploitation film that is almost like a fantasy, and it has hilarious amounts of blood. I mean, I freaking loved the gore and blood in this movie. Um, it it goes up to about twelve on that count, and I loved it. Like there's so much blood, you're like nobody could live with that much blood leaving. Oh, I know. Body. They're always just gushing, Gut, absolutely blood everywhere, and they're still going. Yeah, um, and there's like a trail of of blood, which um, you know the director said she you know used that as an artistic. Uh, like it was, she said it was not realistic, and I'm like, okay, great, that wasn't just me then, but um, <laughs> and beautiful, beautiful colors, you know where. We're yeah. in this desert, and it's never said where you're at, what desert it is. You yeah, know, you I was no wondering idea. that. Yeah, I, I still don't actually know where it was filmed. And it's very, very dry and dusty, which also kind of harkened back to the vibe of those 70s exploitation films, like especially Australian exploitation. And and it isn't until the very last scene where you see where the, it's got the camera on her, and it pulls back, and the helicopter's coming, and you actually see the green mountains. It's like the first time right. you see any greenery. You know, there was some right. r- really beautiful uh, imagery. I mean, the whole thing is beautiful. Yeah, I was actually going to bring that up. How it's like the whole movie, everything's you know dry brown desert, mm-hmm. and at the very end, that last shot, everything's green. It's very lush. Yeah, you see, you see yeah. the mountains behind them, and um, and you know, there's a. I think it's more almost more of an art film than anything else. It's very art house. Yeah. yeah, and and you know, I'm pretty sure Jen doesn't have any dialogue after she um gets thrown off the cliff and she has to i don't think so she she has nightmares and wakes up and screams but i feel like she doesn't have any dialogue and that's so freaking fantastic like and she matilda lutz she's so great in this like she communicates so much with her body image and her, her body um language and her eyes and her like it's, but it's pretty cool to have a hero that has no dialogue for the last, you know, two thirds of the film. That's pretty unusual. Yeah. I okay. Was I the only one who thought that uh, Richard looked almost exactly like Aaron Eckhart? Yeah, he has that like super strong chin and um, that chiseled face. Yeah, he to me he looked Dutch for some reason, and I yeah. looked him up, and I guess he's Belgian. He was born in Belgium, so. Oh. Yeah, and they were of course speaking French. Then it's sort of implied she doesn't speak French because they, when they want to say something without her understanding it, they speak French to each other. The three men do, and no, and he was. Um, <laughs> I have to laugh because I was like, I picked all three films, and one of them I hadn't seen, and the other two I had, but like two of them have male frontal nudity in them, <laughs> which was oh, yeah. not was not on purpose. But I. Um, but there's a pretty long. There's you see a lot of that actor's dick in this film. Like he's naked <laughs> a few times. I was gonna say it's like this is uh, two shows in a row where we have some swing and dong. That's going right, on. with with pieces. That's right, and you know, yes. um, I the uh, the actor 
I, I just had so much respect for all the actors by the end of this film. They, they all do a great job, and especially that, you know, to be walking around naked, covered in blood, that's, you know, for, for a long period of time while delivering a one-shot um, performance. You know, there were scenes where they were just following them around. That's pretty cool, so... I I had to say I that 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 final scene with her the standoff with her and the and and Richard in the house, I loved that because it was like as the scene goes on, there's more and more blood it's all ridiculous. over the walls yeah. and all over the floor, and she and they actually made it realistic by having them both slipping and sliding yeah. and falling on their face, uh, uh, with all this blood and everything. So, um, when she. <laughs> At the end, when she finally grabs the rifle and like is aiming it, and he's standing right over, her, I was like, "Yeah, do it." Exactly. <laughs> I, and you know what? I'm sad. She never, she never delivers a kill quip. No. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, I, I get it, but man, you know, <laughs> you wish you would. Man, you know what? The worst. So there's so much gore in this. There's uh, impalements. There's people getting stabbed in the eye. There's um, yeah. bloated corpses, you know, there's a lot of searing flesh, but you, what, what was the war? I mean, for me, it was the, the glass in the foot. Fuck yes. <laughs> the whole thing where he's like trying to pick it out and we're like, Jesus Christ. The, the special effects for that were like, it really looked like what a foot would like if you split it almost in half and, and he's just yeah. digging around and, it went on. That was not a brief scene. I was like, the first time I watched the movie, I couldn't even watch it. But this time I watched it and I was laughing because it was so over the top. It's very, very <laughs> odd. Yeah, so, and, and of course, it's, there's some good guns in this film. I don't really know my guns, but if you like guns, you can, there's all these powerful hunting rifles in this film. And Yeah. Yeah. And I, I did love the peyote scene where she does that self-surgery and, and ends up, uh, branding herself with that phoenix i don't know like it, it really did get that oh from the beer can yes yeah, is that it was very much that exploitation very slick exploitation like i feel like the kind of vibe tarantino's always going for and yeah so <laughs> definitely definitely not a uh, family friendly film oh god no <clears throat> no <laughs> no so uh what was your uh what was your rating on this one i guess i i can't even find a flaw in the film but um there was a way it didn't have enough heart for me somehow so i'm gonna give it a nine but i did love it so much like clearly um i i just i'm sure i'll watch it again <laughs> um I, I'm I'm probably I, I'm thinking I'm probably giving it a six just because I, I this I really despise rape scenes I it just it, and it, and that's the impetus for the whole thing, um and I did feel it was a little long it's almost two hours, yeah, um, yeah. I, I, I I think there was some a couple of stuff where they're kind of wandering around, <laughs> yeah it could have been uh, tightened up for sure a desert where they could have tightened it so yeah I mean I think that's uh, the direction I'm going to go with it, um <clears throat> but. Again, much like with Dark and the Wicked, it's a beautifully shot film with with a, a really uh, top-notch cast that does a really great job. Uh, these guys are all pieces of shit, <laughs> and, and they do a really good job of it. Yeah. <laughs> and she's and she's amazing. She's uh, you have to respect an actor who runs around the desert uh, with no shoes. You know, and I mean, just that, that, dirty, like um, you know, <laughs> the, oh, she's the, filthy. yeah, that that was that was almost harder than the blood. Is just to think of being that 
dirt cake. To, like, that was rough for me. <laughs> okay, well, uh, we'll be back uh, right after this with our review of our final film, The Stepfather. What is it? Say, what is it? Hey, why it's buttercup? Popcorn and sweet cream butter too hot popcorn. Mix it up, wrap it up, buttercup is born. It's delicious. So nutritious. It's a taste delight. It's so munchy. Crisp and crunchy. You'll enjoy each bite. Eat butter crunched buttercup popcorn at its best. Served in a king size cup. It beats all the film uh is uh, uh, <laughs> a lot of fun uh why don't you let us know what we're in for kelly look i get it it's hard to be a parent and being a step parent can be trickier still especially when your new family's teenage daughter isn't over her father's death she's having trouble at school and she seems to have taken an irrational dislike for your peacemaking efforts except is it an irrational dislike? Gosh dang it. These domestic troubles are resulting in intrusive thoughts. It's time to storm down to my basement man cave where I can build a cute birdhouse and rage and stab and plot. Can I get a little order here? Forget dad jokes. You're going to feel a distinct pain in the head if you hang out with the stepfather. 
Morrison isn't his real name. What is it? God knows, we don't. His personal history was falsified and his prints were untraceable. It was possible Morrison had done it before. You can call me sentimental, I don't care. I have beautiful friends, I have a wonderful new family. So what do you think? Can we give this little guy a home? Sure. That's my girl. He's a wonderful man, and he wants to care for us. I don't know, I just, there's just something about him. Oh, that guy in Bellevue that killed his whole family. Cut him up with knives. Maybe they disappointed him. All we need is a mortar around here. You're a good boy. He's a good boy. Isn't he a good boy? Your daddy's a little angel. Hi, honey. Crazy creep, don't you talk to your father that way. He's not my father. How can you even bear to let him do it to you? Stop it! We have to talk, honey. About what? About what is happening to our family. I'm taking care of it. He scares me, Dr. Pondre. Who am I here? Okay, I'm going to tell you right out of the gate, I love The Stepfather. Me too. Uh, I, I first saw it back in the 80s, and it's been a while. Um, I think it's maybe been 20 years since I've seen it. And um, I'm a big Terry O'Quinn fan. Yeah. Uh, I loved him on Millennium uh, with Lance Henriksen. And uh, he's, you know, he's been in a lot of other stuff that he, where he's, he's always uh, top-notch, whatever he's in. Um <clears throat> As someone who had a horrible stepfather, uh, I, I think that's one of the reasons I relate to this movie so well. Uh, but boy, he—he's so good in this. He—he—he he, he is just yeah. so good at just being absolutely deranged. And there's one point where he comes out where um, our, our heroine. Um, is uh, out on the porch, uh, Stephanie. Uh, she's she's out there uh, kissing her boyfriend, and he comes out and freaks out, saying that the the the, the boy's trying to rape her and all this stuff, and um, and she stomps off, and then the mom, uh, played by Shelley Hack, is, is like, you know, why did you do that? You, you know, you're ruining everything because you know we we were we were coming together as a family, and then you blew it, and whatever. And they show his face, yeah. and his eyes are like bugging out of his head, and <laughs> he's like, "Oh, okay." And he like, starts yeah. walking away. I was like, "Oh, fuck." Yep. That is a moment there. There's a cu- there's a couple moments in this that are just chilling and awesome, and and it's yeah. Okay, you and I talked about this when we watched Stock by My Doctor. You yes. know, because this the stepfather has a sort of lifetime movie vibe to it because it really right. is kind of talking about like a domestic situation. You know, he's not some he's a domestic abuser. He's not like a slasher per se. Right. He's not just a murderer. Right. He's a guy who, you know, has these fixed ideas about family. And when those don't work out, 
And this was based off of a fellow who did murder his family and who escaped detection for 18 years um, afterwards and uh, didn't go on to have multiple families or anything like that. But, um, you know, this film is is funny because in one hand it's kind of hokey and campy, but in another, and it's even a little bit satirical, but in another way, it's very much a reality that like other families have faced. And there mm -hmm. are a few moments where he, he is so good in this. Like he is, he is freaking 10 out of 10. And um, oh, another moment, the, the scariest moment, because this film's not very scary so much, because you kind of know, you know from the beginning where it's going. Because sure. they show him at the beginning having just murdered his previous family. But the other moment besides, like the moment you're talking about where she says, we've, she says something like, um, you just ruined all the progress we've made with, with our daughter. Right. And you see him him switch to plan B. <laughs> like you see him yeah, go. immediately. Exactly. That was great because <laughs> he's been working very, very hard to make it work out to what he wants. And that's the moment where he says, you're right. I'm, uh, this family, I'm drawing a line in it. I'm uh, moving on. That part was great. The, uh, the scene that actually was scary, a little bit later, so he's already, this is towards the end of the film, and he's already starting his second, his next life. You know, right. he's got a job somewhere else. He, he's starting the end sequence, right? Where now he's going to murder his wife and child. Um, he has a he has a slip up on the phone, and his wife says, right. <laughs> "His wife says what? Like what? Why would you say that name?" And he hangs up, and he says, "Wait, who am I here?" <laughs> oh my god! Yes, yes, like, that's god. that's my favorite scene in the movie. <laughs> it's so scary. It's he's so he, spacey looking. He, his he's eyes. So, he's like looking out into space, and yep. he's like, "Who am I here?" That yeah. was thanks, honey. And then he decks her with the yeah, phone. Yeah, yeah. Then he he you know hurt. He starts to hurt her. And um, yeah, don't watch this movie if you don't like women getting beaten. But <clears throat> that that seems a bit rough. But but that moment where he he's dis he's disoriented for that moment. He says, "Wait, who am I here?" That was good. <laughs> like I was like, yeah. damn, yeah. No, yeah. he's he's great in this. He's so great and. Um, I really like the teenage daughter's character because mm -hmm. a different film would have shown would have shown her journey a little different. But when we open up on this new family, she already doesn't like him. And right. she's telling people that and no one's listening to her, which, again, is quite, you know, unfortunately, that's often the case. Um you know, she's yeah, the only person that hears her is the psychiatrist. Yeah, but even he doesn't hear her for a while. Like, if I feel right. like if, if, you're, if you've got a teenage girl, sixteen-year-old, telling you she doesn't like her stepfather, I think you should look into that. <laughs> but okay, so you know, eventually the doctor does look into it. Of course, he gets murdered and all of that. But um, I mean, this film doesn't have a super high body count or anything like that. But there's a huge, huge plot hole in that. Um, supposedly, he kills his family. And it's only a year later, and the cops are like, "Well, we're not really looking for him anymore." <laughs> like, well, what? yeah, right. Yeah, I, when we all know that murder cases are open for years. Well, not only that, but like a white <laughs> a white suburban family. You like the guy that this is based on was caught eighteen years later. So yes, cops right. don't stop looking for like certain crimes. Yes, certain crimes cops don't do shit about. But in this case, a man, you know, white man knifing his whole white family to death. Yeah, they wouldn't have said, well, we're not going to look into it anymore. And also the, fa the fact that he has to set this up all within a short radius. You know what I mean? Like he has to go find his new family within a few hours of his old family. 
Come right. on, man. Like the, the guy this is based on, he moved across the country to, to evade detection, which you would have to do that. You couldn't, you couldn't just go a few towns over and start over. So that was a little corny. So what, was this in Washington? Yeah. I thought so. Cause I thought it really looked like what, cause when you'd see him taking the ferry. Yep. This is in a okay. fake, a fake town called Oak Ridge, Washington. There is an Oak Ridge, Oregon. My grandmother lived there. But there is no Oak Ridge, Washington, but it's supposed to take place on the Kitsap Peninsula, where I've lived before. It's very beautiful there. Oh, yes. yeah. yeah. Uh, so, um, okay, there's one thing in the movie, though, that I, I found hilarious. Um, and <laughs> because it, it's so ridiculous, it, 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 it kind of – okay, now, have you seen He Knows You're Alone? No. Okay, well that's a movie we're gonna have to we're gonna have to watch uh, for the show. But there is a similar kind of a thing. Now you've got this character Jim Ogilvie. Now he's the brother of the the late wife that mm-hmm. uh, our our uh, hero Jerry <laughs> murdered. Um, and so he spends the entire film uh, tracking him down. Right. When even the cops are just like, eh, you know, whatever. Right. Which is hilarious. Uh, only to have him show up at the very end and then he's immediately dead. <laughs> that that was kind of a misfire because you the brother doesn't, he's not a very charismatic person, but you do think he's going to help. <laughs> you know, you yeah. think he's going to somehow advance the plot and he really does just show up to get stabbed. The only thing that his his appearance at the end does it's is it serves to give the mother a a gun. Yeah, that's probably that's what that must be about. You're right. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. And yeah. I remember watching it because I, I I as the the first thing that went through my mind was oh shit this is just like he knows you're alone, uh, where you had a, a cop spend the entire film. I mean, we're literally talking maybe fifty percent of the footage of the film of this doggedly uh pursuing detective i'm gonna get this guy and i'm gonna take him down and and as soon as he meets the killer he's dead immediately (laughs) you're like what you know that's that's rare when that happens but i'm I'm thinking of um what was that movie uh no country for old men which of course is a pretty good film but you know you're following josh brolin and you truly believe he's going to have some kind of uh effect on the villain and he just he's not only killed he's killed off screen and it's, yeah I, I understand that the that movie is trying to be edgy but it was a bit of a misfire i think and um now this movie's not nearly the the you know quality of no country for old men but same deal where you you do think the brother you're kind of with him the brother does some smart sleuthing right he right he finds that magazine with the sheet the pages torn out and he he investigates that at the library like there's some cute little detective work on screen but then yeah he shows up and just immediately gets stabbed to death like he doesn't even survive i mean i yeah it would have been better if he would have been stabbed and then lived um you know just right but nope and um you know it, it ends in this very predictable kind of way um you know uh but that said like the I just thought this film was great, and it moves along at a pretty good pace too. Oh yeah, it it, it doesn't overstay its welcome. It, you know, it, it's only I think it's like ninety or eighty nine minutes or something, um, <clears throat> and it 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 uh, it doesn't waste a lot of footage. Any scene that's in there is pretty much important, right? And um, I I have to say, I mean, I 
yeah, I, I've got a lot of praise for Terry O'Quinn because I, I think this is kind of the movie that put him on the map as an actor. And uh, but I, I think Jill Sholin, who I've always really liked, um, I think her character is great because she's not the typical um, uh, slasher movie final girl. Absolutely. She's you can tell it that it established that she's, you know, um, yes, she's a straight A student, but she's also been real difficult at school. You know, she's had issues because of you know the death of her father and everything and she gets expelled. And so it, it, it I, I think they kind of, they give her a little more shading and, at, yeah. and she's smarter than the usual final girl as well. And at the end, when she's going up against Jerry in the house, I, I, I think that she it clearly, it, even if like the, the guy hadn't shown up with the gun, I think she would have beaten him eventually. <laughs> she's, she's great yeah. from minute one because yeah, yeah, teenage girls are usually written as being, you know, silly or not very smart or um, flippant. And she was very realistic depiction of a teen girl. I think the actress was something like 23 or something, but she's playing yeah. a 16 year old. So she, you know, she seems a bit mature for 16, but um, she she reminded me of Nancy in the first um, Nightmare on Elm Street, which yeah. uh, mm-hmm. I love the first Nightmare on Elm Street, and I really love Nancy because Nancy is pretty much right away like something's up, bitches, and like yeah. is like pretty yeah. assertive about it. And um, I I think it's rare to find teenage girls written very well in film, and and you know it's like it even has a cool like it's showing her starting to have a little romance with her. Uh, with a guy in school and that was portrayed in a very sweet and realistic way and yeah she's smart she like with the scene on the porch she says you know just because you're all freaked out and hung up on sex like she's a smart 16 year old like most 16 year olds are so I did love her um, character and of course her performance it's it's kind of weird they gave us a nude shower scene with her. I felt like that was like why why are they giving us that? But um, okay. Yeah, I, that kind of comes out of nowhere. It like does. it doesn't what? feel what? it doesn't seem to make sense, and it feels like they're just trying to add a little TNA. But whatever. Right. It's, yeah, and um, yeah, it's no. She was great. the The mom is a bit, you know, the mom's kind of a dingbat and doesn't doesn't. Uh, clue in um but you know you got you you can't really have this plot if you don't have people being taken in by this guy like you know he, he, right yeah, yeah. so and i thought he's it was a, a salesman good... both yeah. in in, in, in yes. his job and in his personality yes you know? and by definition guys that do these things are good at at convincing people and you know the, the neighbors are always like i had no idea <laughs> right it's like yeah because he's yeah. good at doing what he does but no he was great uh, the daughter was great I feel like yeah, the film could have had more characters. The film didn't have a lot of kind of characters, really. Yeah, I mean, it's really just the family, and then you know you've got the psychiatrist and Jim, and uh, you know that's pretty much it yeah. as far as any characters we focus on. Uh, I I think the one of the reasons why this movie works really well is they don't get too. Um, how how do I say this? They don't get too over the top with what Jerry does as far as like, oh, this time he's using this weapon, you yeah, know, yeah. to do you know it's not that at all. It's just he'll he just bash your head in or whatever. And they had the great scene with Jim and the cop where the cop's talking to him and the cop's like, you know, and this scene felt actually pretty real to me where he's like, well, what would you do in my situation? Like, he's like off the record. Yeah. I, I'd get a gun and I blow him away. <laughs> right, 
Right. <laughs> I was geez, like, yeah, it yeah. sounds more like pretty realistic. <laughs> no, and I, there were so many, as, as sort of campy and over the top as some of it is, there are these really great little lines that are almost throwaway lines, like where uh, Terry O'Quinn says, what girls don't get suspended? You know, it's just a little clue into his weird ideas about, you know, girls yeah. and women. and Or when he... Um, he his uh, case gets brought up again. I love it that it's a year ago. It's a year ago, but it's supposedly everyone's forgotten. I mean, I yeah. love it. We had a, a child of 10 years old disappear, I want to say like 19 years ago from our local community. And let me tell you something. People remember that stuff, right? In suburbia or yeah. whatever. Like people remember that. But but they're like, wow. So he says, what would drive a man to kill his family? It's like, oh, okay, no, what, you're a sociopath, psychopath, and nobody drives you to it. You do it because you're a sociopath. When he says, um, well, perhaps they disappointed him. <laughs> I was like, damn. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, there's just these little lines that kind of give you a window into his fucked up framing. And they don't even show his own um, background, which I love that. There's a scene where the the... Um, doctor says, did you have a strict upbringing? Because the doctor's trying to get information out of him. Right. And he says, you could say that. It's like, ooh, you just know he had some like abusive shit go down, right? Because you know, people don't develop this way out of nowhere. But yeah, is Terry O'Quinn does so. If, with anyone else, this film would have probably been pretty schlocky, but he does bring it home for sure. Well, I, I, I have to say, as soon as this was over, uh, you know, like Amazon will go and like a little thing will pop up. You should watch this next. And, and the next one's like, you should watch Stepfather 2, Make Room for Daddy. Right. Which, <laughs> Which I, think I love that. I love yeah, that you, if you're on a roll, I think he is also, I don't think he's the guy in Stepfather 3, but he did show up no. for Stepfather 2. I saw that movie, but it was a really long time ago. It's probably not as good. I just, I just think this first stepfather gets lumped in as if it's a slasher, but it's really not a yeah. slasher. To me, it does feel like a lifetime drama, although unlike a lifetime movie, they're going to show more violence, right? Like, sure. yeah, they're going to show some some stuff. But uh, I, I think I, I think I'm going to watch Stepfather Two tonight. <laughs> well, let, let me know because, like I said, I I don't I don't remember anything about it, but it was the first one I saw. But that was, I was pretty young. I was like twelve. <laughs> like I was oh, yeah, too young. But, yeah, you know. I haven't seen it in forever. I don't even know if I remember anything. But it does have uh, uh, Meg Foster. I remember I Meg Foster. I remember her in that. Um, that's all I remember. <laughs> it was her, and I remember he kills a guy with a shovel. <laughs> like I, so, you know, I saw this a long time ago. So. And of course, with the the third stepfather film, without uh, Terry O'Quinn, uh, yeah, they explain it by saying that he has plastic surgery. That's right. That's right. It's pretty silly. Which is which is always hilarious because that that's the go to. That's like on uh, on a soap, you right, know. It's right. like, oh yes, of course they were hideously, uh, you know, scarred, and so they had pl- plastic surgery. Now they look like someone who's like a whole foot taller and. Uh, Yo, or like my favorite, my favorite James Bond villain was, um, you know, T- Toby. Oh, what's his name? The British. He's red haired freckles, right? And he, oh, uh-huh. he was a, the a Korean man who got plastic surgery and became <laughs> a British red haired freckled man. <laughs> like I'm like I'm like even for a Bond film, guys, <laughs> like that's a stretch. Yeah, right? a bit of a stretch to, yeah. to, to go from uh, from Asian to a, right. a, a, a ginger. Yeah, super like British ginger. <laughs> um, yeah, Toby <laughs> Stevens. That's right. Yeah, pretty funny. But yeah, no, uh, they, they um, 
you know, people, if the movie does at all any, any good at all, they're always trying to find that sequel. And, um, but that said, I think you and I both agree that the original Stepfather is definitely worth watching. Oh, absolutely. Uh, yeah, I'm sorry. What, what, what did you give that? What was your rating? For I'm, I'm going to give it a nine. I mean, I did pick this film on purpose for my birthday because I love it. But yes, give it a nine. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm going to agree with you and go with a nine because I, it is it is very entertaining. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I mean, really, it, it's it's the Terry O'Quinn show. Yeah. And he and he delivers. <laughs> it's just a great combination of somehow being quite realistic and chilling, but also very campy and fun. And like that's pretty yeah. that's pretty amazing to to pull that off in one film. Yeah, I don't. I'm interested to watch the se- the sequel to see if he can pull it off a second time. Yeah. But uh, I mean, <laughs> but he's just he's always been really good at being able to play someone who's clearly gone over the edge. Yeah, yeah. And uh, he has a sinister. Yeah. He can pull that sinisterness off. Um, yeah, he's so great in this, right? Uh, well, that's all for this month. But uh, we'll both be back next time with reviews of three new films. And great news, I'll be joining the great Dan Budnick on his short-run TV podcast, Eventually Super Train, for the next six months as we discuss Cole Shack the Night Stalker. Nice, nice. E- each episode, we'll be discussing another entry in the Immortal 70s series. And Kelly will be appearing on the Mad Max and Character podcast discussing a Morton Joe. If you'd like to get a hold of us, you can write to us at moviemorgone at att.net. You can visit our Facebook page and our Twitter and Instagram feeds for recommendations. And remember, with great power comes great responsibility. I see.
Miles, I feel so horny.